Good morning. It is a real joy to be with you this morning. I have um, known this church for many years now, and I love one of my favorite mission trips actually um, was with that group that went to uh, Turkey in 2015. We had a great time with Mark and Ryan and a few others. So I've always loved your church. Thank you so much for standing with us, for praying for us, for praying for the church in Iran. And uh, I'm glad to be able to to share a little bit with you. I'm going to put my timer on here because Dave said I've got an hour and a half. So so I have had the privilege of watching the story of Iran's church unfold in my lifetime, and it is an amazing story. It is faith-building. It is encouraging. And I know that Uh, Most of us need encouragement these days, so I pray that today will really be an encouragement to you in your faith. As you saw in the video, my grandfather came to Christ in the 1930s in Iran, and he started that prayer meeting. You're talking about prayer. I've listened to a couple of the messages, and I I really want to encourage you to take this so seriously because it really will make a huge difference to you, your families, your church, your community. They started a prayer meeting. My grandfather and and grandmother started a prayer meeting. They prayed every day without fail for over four years. Can you imagine that? Every day in their home was open to prayer. And out of that grew a number of different churches and ministries. Um, But it was still very small. I remember being in Tehran in 1985. I don't know why that particular year I remember. We'd gone there for the summer. And, uh, you know, the, it, just a few years after the Islamic Revolution, some of you remember that. Uh, and um, the symbols, as we were walking on the streets towards the church, a tiny little church, the symbols of Islam were everywhere. The big pictures of the Islamic Revolution and Khomeini and the big, you know, scary pictures. And my sister was forced to wear the head covering. I was 11. She was 13. All the women were covered. And you sense the strength of this Islamic revolution. We walk into this little church. And there's a whole bunch of, uh, a few people praying with all their hearts for God to come and touch the nation. I remember my grandfather with his arms raised up and the tears running down his face saying, God, come and touch this land. Bring your favor. Bring your salvation. And everybody's praying and saying, Amen. And I was thinking, can God answer their prayer? I don't know how many of you have been in a prayer meeting or you've heard a prayer and you, everybody's saying, Amen, Amen, Hallelujah. And uh, and you're thinking, Hallelujah, Amen, but I don't think that's going to happen. Have you ever had that experience? I just <laughs> that there were 60 million people in Iran. There were a handful of Christians in the country, and they're praying for revival. Can God answer that prayer? You've been hearing a series on prayer, and, and many of us have those questions. Can God really, does He actually hear? Does it actually make a difference? So I'm here to testify to you that I have seen... God answering that prayer. He is answering it. He has answered it, and He is answering it now. And as you saw in that video, the church is growing rapidly. At that time, there were about 500 Christians from a Muslim background. Today, some say it's maybe approaching a million. Some say more. Some say a bit less. 
But what we do know is that every single day the church is growing. There are testimonies after testimony after testimony. And it is very uh, exciting. I could, I could literally just talk for hours about testimony after testimony. I'll just tell you a few quick ones. Last year, a mullah, a leader of a mosque, comes to Christ. And he has now led three or four others to Christ. How did he come to Christ? Somebody became a Christian. We were discipling him, encouraging him to evangelize. And he said to the guy who was discipling him, Am I allowed to witness to and share Jesus with the mullah? You know, it's just the, simp- the simple faith. Am I allowed to do this? Yes. And so they tell, he tells, Jesus, tells him about Jesus. This man comes to faith. It's an amazing story. But you need to pray for this mullah under a lot of pressure uh, that he is. But mullahs, another last few uh, months, we've been seeing shepherds in Iran come to Christ. Out in the sticks. And shepherds that, I mean, how did they hear the gospel? One of them sends us a video with his simple phone. He's made a tent of meeting out in the deserts of Iran. And he says, this is where I come to pray for salvation of our people. Amazing. One of my favorite pictures just from a few months ago was an old lady who was dying. One of our, a couple of our people went to share the gospel. They gave her a New Testament. They led her to Christ. And there's a picture of this old lady in her, on her deathbed holding a New Testament. She came to Christ the next day. She went to meet him. A few weeks ago, we sent a six-year-old his first copy of, of a children's Bible. His parents had come to Christ last year. And so he was so excited. He got his Bible. He started reading it, and he was loving it. His 82-year-old grandfather came to visit one day. He ran and got his Bible, sat on his grandfather's lap. A man who's grown up in, uh, in this Islamic country for all his life. His grandson sits on his lap, opens the Bible, tells him the stories from Jesus. And two weeks later, the 82-year-old man gives his life to Christ. Story after story. One of, I'll tell you one more quick story of a young girl... 14 years old, very, very hard story with her father, very bad relationship. She came home from school one day, and he said to her, if I had been given a sack of potatoes, it would have been better for me than to have you. Can you imagine the brokenness? She goes to her room, she's weeping, but somebody had given her a New Testament. She picked up that New Testament and started reading And in her testimony, she says, I began to realize that this word said something different to me, that I'm not just a sack of potatoes. She gave her life to Christ. Now she's leading many other young people to Christ. It's an amazing time of harvest in Iran, but the journey has not always been easy. The journey has not always been easy. And you know life is not easy. Challenges, all of you face them. But in Iran, there's suffering, there's hardship, there's persecution. And as you saw in that video, we're here today because of the faithful obedience of people that has been born in prayer. Faithful obedience that has been born in prayer. Let me, so I was thinking about you, I thought, let me share just a few quick stories about prayer before I come to the scripture that I want to talk to that has shaped the church in Iran. First of all, you saw Mark and Gladys Bliss, the couple 
that lost three children. I, know, I knew Mark. He went to be with the Lord. His wife is still alive. Absolutely incredible man. When his children died, his wife was uh, in hospital. They didn't know if she was going to live. He was famously in the Iranian church. He went home to his piano and started playing, Great is thy faithfulness. And that incredible prayer, in his absolute grief, saying, Lord, I plant three seeds for the sake of a harvest. He turned his tragedy into a prayer. He turned his tragedy into a prayer. Just before that, there was a man called Dick Dreyer, who was another American missionary who had gone in the 1960s. They'd gone there to Iran. They had uh, worked for some time. They'd seen very, very little. Then the Lord, one day, they'd met a man called Reza Roshanzamir. He was very hard to reach for the gospel. But the Lord told, he said, I felt the Lord speak to me and say, pray for eight hours a day for this man until further notice. How many of you would like an assignment like that? <laughs> Pray for eight hours a day until further notice. I, I was talking to Dick about this, and I said, did you? he said, yeah. I said, what did you do? He said, I prayed. God told me. And he took his assignment in prayer seriously. It was December 21st, 1967. Four months later, on April 21st, Reza gave his life to Christ. Reza is one of the founding trustees of Elam, still works. I talked with him on, Thursday, on Friday, talked with him almost every day. He's led thousands of people to Christ. These are the stories that have shaped the prayer, has, how it's impacted the church in Iran. I remember in 1994, a different kind of prayer. My father was baptizing a handful of Iranian Christians. We were in England at the time, and a phone call came through. At the back of the church, I was there. And we learned that his, one of his closest friends, Haik of Sepian Mer, had been martyred. I was 20 at the time I was watching my dad. He'd preached the gospel his whole life. And here he's just found out his friend has been killed. And so, I, as a son I was watching, what would he do? He went and baptized the 13 people, and then from the water of baptism... His tears ran down into the waters of baptism, and he prayed an incredible prayer. Lord, forgive them and reach them. May his persecutors come to know you. Matthew and I were together this morning. I was staying with Matthew. My father was speaking. We were talking, and he was actually speaking to a man this morning that Matthew had arranged, who had come to faith, who was in the office at the time that approved the martyrdom of Hike. God answered that prayer, that prayer which is a biblical prayer to pray for your enemies. You see, these are the, where, wherever the church has stayed faithful in prayer, the blessing has come. A more recent story, uh, a couple who were arrested a couple of years ago. They were released on bail. We call them Ben and Ruth. And uh, so they were, they were released on bail, or they were on bail. They were sentenced to six months in prison. So my wife and I had the privilege of talking to them the night before they went to serve six months in prison. 
we were talking to them on Zoom, and, and, and Louise is my wife, and we said, well, what do we say to these people? Anyway, we were talking, I asked him, I said, Ben, why did you decide to stay in Iran and face this prison sentence? He said, I prayed. He said, Lord, can you take this away from me? And the Lord didn't take it away. He said, so I'm going there because this is the will of God, and I want to achieve his mission. So as we prayed for them, I said, you know, Paul wrote so much of the scriptures from prison, so we want, we're praying that God will give you some incredible words, some incredible revelation uh, while you're in prison. And they got excited, and they were smiling, and they ran, and they came back to the screen, and they had a little notebook. They said, today we went and bought this notebook to see what the Lord will say to us in prison. We're taking this notebook to prison so that the Lord will give us something, to, uh, expecting Him to say something. A kind of prayer that even though we don't want to face the persecution, we're ready to face whatever you have for us, Lord. And so why do they pray these kinds of prayers? Why pray in the midst of all the challenges? And one thing I've learned and observed, and we see in Scripture, which we're going to look at, they prayed because there's a common understanding, a deep belief, that whatever the situation, God, the Lord, will have the last word. The Lord will have the last word. That's one reason we pray. And so you think of these challenging situations, all these four stories. Dick, no fruit. I'll pray because, Lord, you'll have the last word. Mark and Gladys, in their grief, Lord, you will have the last word. You can even bring a harvest from this absolute tragedy. A small group of believers. Lord, you can have the last word in Iran. My friend has been martyred. Lord, you can have the last word. Lord, we're going to prison. You'll have the last word. You can speak to us in prison. The church has learned this. Persecution is not the end of the story. Hostility is not the end of the story. Opposition is not the end of the story. And brokenness, even death, is not the end of the story. God will have the last word. God is ultimately writing a story, and it's a beautiful story. And when we submit to the story that He is writing, He can take even the most broken, the most painful, the greatest suffering that we have, and turn it into something beautiful. And that's why we pray. And that's why the church in Iran has prayed. I don't know your story. I know you're a human being, and so you've suffered. And so I encourage you to keep going in prayer. So I want us, you know, this is something that we learn throughout the Scriptures. Um, and I want to quickly look at one passage from the book of Acts that really... I think is where, wherever the church in Iran has kept to this teaching or what we learn here, it has continued to grow. And so it's Acts chapter 4. We're going to read 21 to 31. And um, it's an amazing story. We pick up the story just after Peter and John have, uh, have seen a lame man healed. The news is spreading. People are excited in the, in the community except the priests and the religious rulers who are kind of threatened and uh, not kind of very threatened, very upset. 
So they arrest Peter and John, and then they warn them to never speak again in the name of Jesus. This is serious. These guys have just killed Jesus. You don't, this is not a joke. And so we pick up the story in verse 21, all right? And, and it says, when they had further threatened, so they threatened them, and then they further threatened them, they let them go finding no way to punish them because of the people. For, for all were praising God for what had happened. For the man on whom the sign of healing was performed was more than 40 years old. When they were released, Peter and John, they went to their friends and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voice to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the, did the Gentiles rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and His anointed. For truly in this city there were, gather, there were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, along with the Gentiles and the peoples of Israel, to do what your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness, while you stretch out your hand to heal and signs and wonders are performed in, through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the Word of God with boldness. It's an amazing story. So I just, I just want to pray. We're not talking about prayer. I just want to pray that as we just look at this now and tie it to the story of Yohan's church and our own lives, that God would really seal something in our hearts. So, Lord, I do thank you once again for your word. Thank you that you invite us to pray, to seek you, Lord. And I pray that you would just bless this rest of this time, Lord, that you would really seal in our hearts what you want to say to this church, to these people, about what and how they can talk to you, and how you will hear. In Jesus' name, amen. So, three things from this passage, and I'll try and go through them quickly. The, the disciples believed with all their hearts, and you see it here, with all their hearts, that the, that the Lord would have the last word. They absolutely believed. They had been... They were aware of the threats. They had been, uh, they'd seen Jesus had been, you know, they'd, they'd carried out with those threats. They were under a lot of pressure. But they pray the simple thing, Sovereign Lord. Sovereign Lord. And it says, why do the nations rage? Why do they do this? Because what they're saying is, don't they know that in the end you will have your way? Lord, you've heard their threats, but you are sovereign. Lord, you see the challenge, but you are sovereign. Lord, you see the grief, but you are sovereign. 
This is not the end of the story. And so this is, one, this is the, right at the beginning of your prayer. The beginning of the church's prayer is, Lord, you are sovereign. Whatever the opposition, whatever the challenge, you will have your way. We come to him because he is sovereign, that he is greater than the threats. He is greater than the challenges. And that's where, wherever the church in Iran has prayed that way, it has continued to be able to follow in the, in the plan of God. And so that's just the first one. They come to Him as sovereign Lord. So my question to you is, where do you need to recognize once again that God is sovereign? Where do you as a church, where do you as people, you as a family, need to come and say, Lord, you are sovereign. We absolutely believe that you will have the last word. So, second one, the disciples prayed according to their mission. The disciples prayed here according to their mission. You know, they are they're under a great deal of pressure, a lot of challenges, a lot of fear possibly human reaction. So they could have prayed for any number of things, right? They could have said, Lord, protect us. Lord, deliver us. Change the policies of these people. Change the government. Change the leadership here. Change the way that this is going to work out. Make our lives a little bit easier. Many different things they could pray, but they knew their mission. And this threat came against them to stop them from achieving their mission. And so they were very clear. The priority of their prayer was that they would fulfill the purpose of God. The priority of their prayer was that they would be able to fulfill the purposes of God. And so you've been told, don't ever speak again in the name of Jesus. And so what do they pray? Lord, help us speak even more boldly. I love that. Never speak in the name of Jesus again. Lord, help us speak more boldly. And that should be the prayer, the cry of the heart of the church around the world. And I know in America, there's a lot going on, a lot of talk about the church and this and the other. The prayer should simply be, Lord, help us speak your word more boldly. Not about politics and this and that and change this, make it easier for us, make it this, make it that. Speak the word of God more boldly because they understood their mission. You know, I love the book of Acts. Wherever you read in the book of Acts, it just, how did the church grow? It grew because they spoke. They, wherever they went, if you want to study the book of Acts, just go and read. How many times do you see they spoke, they said, they preached, they proclaimed, they opened their mouths, they did this right throughout. I love Acts 8.25. I think it's 8.25. It says, um, 8.25. Now, when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of Samaritans. They were just constantly speaking. In Acts chapter 5, again, they'd been arrested. An angel breaks Peter out of, of prison. And then it says in uh, verse 20, the angel, they, he's been in prison because of speaking. The angel breaks him out. And what does the angel say to him? 
Go and stand in the temple and speak to all the people the words of this life. It's amazing. What is their prayer? Their prayer is, give us more boldness. Because they've been told not to speak. Lord, give us more boldness. And wherever the church in Iran has had a similar uh, approach and understood this, we've seen God bless. In 1990, the Bible Society was closed down, banned by the government. The Bible Society. Don't print the Bibles anymore. Word of God banned. And what was the prayer? Lord, help us flood this nation with the Word of God. That was the prayer. Elam did a translation of the Bible. It started in 1991, the translation of the Bible into modern Persian. When we finished the New Testament in 2003, we printed 10,000 copies. And I remember thinking at that time, 10,000 copies, that's going to take us 100 years to, to, print, uh, to distribute. Why are we printing 10,000 copies? But the prayer was, Lord, help us flood this nation with your word. We soon had to print another 20,000, then 50,000, then 100,000. Now we've printed more than 2 million scriptures for Iran. The Bible society was closed down. The prayer was, Lord, help us flood the country with your word. And the testimonies abound. We weren't allowed to train leaders. Not allowed to train. No Bible school allowed in Iran. So what's the prayer? Change the government? No. Lord, help us train as many leaders as we possibly can. And in the last few years, we've trained hundreds and hundreds of them at different levels. There's people running all over Iran talking about Jesus. It's absolutely amazing. It's super encouraging. Churches were closed down. Bible, the church was you know, you're not allowed to meet. What was the prayer? Lord, help us plant churches. Help us plant churches. And every single week, new house churches are being planted all over the country. Why do you pray that prayer? Lord, help us speak the, your word more boldly. Not because we just want to be bigger and strong, but because they believe. It is the message of salvation. It's the best news. It's the way of life. It's the message of life. And guys, I want to say to you here in Orange County, I think we're in Orange County, right? Thank goodness for that. Um, it is the best message. It's still the best message for America, for your friends, for your community. Pray that God will enable you to speak it boldly because it's wonderful. Jesus is the bread of life. He's the light of the world. He's the door of salvation. He's the resurrection and the life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He's the good shepherd. He's the true vine. It is absolutely wonderful news, and it needs to be proclaimed. If we were in Iran, there would be dancing and shouting and... Guys, get excited about it. It is the best news ever. And so that's why they prayed. Why do, you're not gonna, why do you pray to flood Iran with the gospel? Because you want to prove something to the Ayatollahs? No. Because it's wonderful news. It's the book of life. And so we want to get it into the hands of people. And so that's the prayer, Lord, enable us to speak more boldly. And what's wonderful about it is that everybody has a part to play. Everybody has a part to play in making this message known.
Everybody can pray, Lord, help me speak more boldly. It's so important. It's not just Dave and Mark and Ryan's job. It's your job. You can pray. And I want to challenge you to pray. Would you write it down? Maybe take a minute. Put it on your phone. Send yourself an email. Put it on social media. Lord, enable me to speak your word more boldly. Remind yourself. Would you pray that? Because honestly, I don't hear that prayer in the West. I don't hear it, if I'm being honest. I hear different prayers. We have a friend who's involved in Bible distribution. His father was beaten because of his work. And I spoke to him, thinking, is he going to stop? Is he going to keep? I said, how are you? How's your dad? He said, my dad, he said, I told my dad, what should I do? He said, I, he said, my dad told me, you told me this is the best news ever. And so it's worth it. You told me this is the best news ever, so it's worth it. So our friend said, I want to keep going. I want to keep going. And because of him, thousands of people have received the word of God. Guys, we don't hear this prayer here. Lord, help us to speak more boldly. Lord, bless us. Okay, God is going to bless us. Just speak His word more boldly. <laughs> don't worry about the blessing so much. It just comes from knowing Him. But everybody has a part to play. So I challenge you to pray that prayer yourself. Whatever your challenge. Maybe you're in a situation like Mark Bliss. And I can't imagine the pain. Your prayer is so precious. Maybe you're like Dick Dreyer. And the Lord's given you an assignment in prayer. And you're like, really? Can't you just do it, Lord? Just do it. Just be faithful in what he's asked you to pray for. Pray the scriptures. But pray that you will be a witness. That is what the church is here for. What's the priority of your prayer? What is the priority of your prayer? And then finally, they prayed because they believed that God would have the last word. They prayed according to their mission. But they also prayed believing that Jesus would show up in power. They prayed believing that Jesus would show up in power. In Acts 1-3 is one of my favorite verses. It says, and he showed, Jesus showed himself to be alive to his disciples with many proofs. They knew Jesus is alive. And so when they prayed, Lord, give us boldness, they also prayed, and send your signs and your wonders. Now, I don't know what your theology is about signs and wonders and all of that. It doesn't really matter. What matters is, do we believe that Jesus is alive and that He can do amazing things? And I believe that Jesus is alive. 
that he works today in all kinds of ways. So I, I ask you, will you pray with expectation that Jesus, who is alive and living, will actually turn up and do something? Pray with expectation that he will move in your community, through your church, in this place to other places. And again, wherever the church has prayed this, we've seen God is answering in different ways. In different ways. Sometimes it is a healing. Not always, and I don't know why sometimes and not other times, but sometimes we see it. And it's absolutely amazing. One of the guys who was on, on our training last year went to a, he was on the streets. They were encouraged to go and witness. He leads a person to Christ. That person invites him to a town far away. He goes there. Fifteen members of their family come to Christ. They had a little girl who had been paralyzed from the neck down. And this young, simple Christian says, I want to pray for this girl. And we have the video of this girl walking. It's absolutely amazing. Absolutely. You could hear the voices of the family going nuts and crazy, as you would imagine. And this is in a remote place of Iran. An incredible story. And these people have come, obviously, to know the Lord Jesus. I heard the testimony last year of a 10-year-old blind boy. And he's in a church, and they're praying, they're worshiping. And in, as they're worshiping, he sees a vision. I don't know how a blind boy sees a vision, but he did. And his testimony was this. In my vision, I saw Jesus. And that's all the healing that I need. In my vision, I saw Jesus. And that's all the healing that I need. This blind boy is writing and leading worship now. It's a beautiful, beautiful story. One more story, and then I'll finish. Another way that God turns up. This young lady, we'll call her Sarah, was born into a family that didn't want her. Parents sent her to live with her grandfather and grandmother. The, grandmother, the grandfather didn't want a, a girl. He wanted a boy, so he brought her up like a boy. Her life was messed up. I mean, pain after pain. Her siblings abused her. People, she was abused and physically, sexually, all kinds of things. Just one of the most broken stories you'd ever hear. Don't have time to go into all the details. Finally, some time ago, she's on the roof of, a, of the apartment block that they're with. They're watching uh, TV. She's watching TV with two of her friends. And they're scrolling through the channels. They're mocking the world. They're mocking this, that, everything that they're seeing. They're angry young, young kids. They happen to come to a Christian TV channel. And at that moment, there's somebody leading people in a prayer of salvation. So let's mock some more. So let's pray this prayer. And they pray this prayer joking and mocking and what nonsense and this, that, and the other. They fall asleep. They wake up. All three of them had the same dream. And Sarah says in after all these years of pain and suffering, 
in her dream, Jesus says, come to me. And she said, it's the first time in my life anybody said, come to me. She contacted, she found us on the internet. Somebody's discipled her. She's just been through a two-week intensive discipleship course. And on that course, she says, I forgave my family, my brothers, those people who abused me. Her life is completely changed. Jesus turns up. Sometimes it's a physical healing. Sometimes he just meets somebody, but he changes our lives. It is the good news. It is the good news. And so I encourage you guys, don't just say, oh, we, our church did a series on prayer. Let it change your life. Let it change your church. Jesus is alive. The Lord will have the last word. He is ultimately writing the story. And it's a beautiful story. If you submit in prayer to the story that He's writing, He can take every part of your life, even the most broken, even the most painful parts, and make something beautiful. Do something so extraordinary. We're seeing that in Iran at a large level. We see it in individual lives. And I really pray you'll see it here more and more and more. Be faithful in your prayer. Pray the scriptures. Trust that he will have the last word. Pray that you will be emboldened to speak the word of God more boldly and expect him to come and work in your lives. Colossians 4, 2 and 3 says this. I'll just finish with this. And then I'll pray for you guys. Continue steadfastly in prayer. Being watchful in it and thanksgiving. And that's my encouragement to you. Continue. Devote yourselves to prayer, another translation says. At the same time, pray also for us. So I'm asking you to pray for us, for Elam Ministries, for the work that we're doing. You can check us out if you want to learn more at elam.com or whatever. Ryan and Mark and, and Dave know, can tell you more about that, what we do. But we really ask that you would pray for us, that God may open a door to us for the Word, to declare the mystery of Christ, Paul says, on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. So I encourage you to devote yourselves to prayer. And as you do that, pray also for us that God may continue to open doors for us. Thank you so much. I want to just pray and then hand back to Ryan, I think, or to the worship team. Lord Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Jesus, that you're alive. We love you, Lord. And I just pray for this church, for Grace Fellowship, Lord. I pray that you would 
come in a fresh, in a new, in a deeper, in a different way, Lord, than anybody ever expected. Lord, I pray that people here would be amazed at your presence. Lord, I pray that they, their prayer lives, Lord, will go from strength to strength, not because they are stronger in theology or this, that, or the other. Lord, we want to know. Lord, we want truth, but we want to know you. You are the truth, Lord. I pray that they would know that you will have the last word, whatever their situation, Lord. I ask that you would embolden this church to speak your word, the good news, the wonderful news of Jesus, and that they would see amazing uh, evidence of your work, of your activity, of, your, of the way that you change lives right here, and, it would sh and they'd shout it loud from the rooftops, Lord, that many people would know that you are alive. In Jesus' name, amen.